From WNYC, this is Money Talking. I'm Charlie Herman. Recently, I got an invite from my college alma mater to attend a reception this weekend to meet new students and their families and talk about what it was like to go to school there. Go Bears! But it turns out my school's not the only one doing this. Over the next several days, many colleges and universities are holding events just like this, making a final pitch to high school seniors trying to convince them to attend. It's a big decision, especially a financial one, for kids and their parents. And with me is one parent who's hitting the road next week to decide what to do, WNYC's Kate Hines. Hi, Kate. Hi, Charlie. So what is this uh, weekend and next week going to be like for you? It's going to be ulcer-inducing as we drive around and take my 17-year-old daughter to different schools that she was accepted at, lucky enough to be accepted at. I feel really grateful that we have choices. But now it's time for her to figure out where she wants to spend the next four years of her life. So we're visiting schools that are welcoming admitted students onto campus to show them a good time and, you know, lay out the buffet table of all of their offerings and try to sell us on attending their college. What is it like for parents? For parents, it's unbelievably stressful because while your kid is out having fun and getting the hard sell, you are also getting the hard sell, but you are also sitting in seminars like how to finance your child's college education. Do you have any idea how much money you're looking at spending? Well, I just wanted to say that one of the things that's so difficult in making this choice is not only do you have the direct costs, which are kind of easy to see. You see what the tuition is. You see what the room and board is. But there's a whole bunch of indirect costs and the Things you don't know that you don't know that are so hard to figure out. Transportation, textbooks. Do schools even use textbooks these days? You know, like we just don't understand. How much do you worry about the choice that you'll make would be totally dictated on the financial aid package and what effect that could have in the future? It feels like an enormous amount of pressure because as a parent, I want my daughter to really take ownership of this decision and to choose a school that she really wants to go to. However, there are very real financial pressures. It feels like you have to make a consumer-based decision, like you're spending this enormous sum of money. You want to make sure that you're getting something in return for it. So I'm asking a lot of questions like, what percentage of the graduates go on to get a job after graduation? You know, I want to know that I'm getting a bang for my buck. My daughter wants to know that she's going to be happy. You know, so it's like, I want her to be happy, but I want her to be able to support herself too when she graduates. When do you have to make the decision? May 1st is the drop-dead decision date. WNYC's Kate Hines, thank you very much and good luck. Thanks, Charlie. As more people go to college and college becomes more expensive, there's been a surge in student debt to pay for it all. At the end of last year, total student loan debt was $1.3 trillion, more than double what it was 10 years ago. There are, of course, definite advantages to getting a college degree, not just for the individual, but for the larger society and the economy. However, a report this week from the Federal Reserve Bank of New York found that too much debt might have long-term consequences. And joining me to talk about this is Rana Fruhar with the Financial Times. Hi, Rana. Hi. So what did researchers find at the Fed? Well, it was amazing because uh, Fed President Bill Dudley came out and said that he thought that the huge amount of student debt out there was actually keeping interest rates low. And what that means is that it's depressing consumption. Students have so much debt that they can't afford to buy other things. It might be keeping uh, first home ownership low, um, the purchases of new cars, the ability to pay for 
things. That's a big part of the American economy. And what Dudley is saying and what the research is showing is that because the debt bubble is so huge, and in fact, if you look at the sheer numbers, it's almost like we took the housing bubble and we sort of flipped it. it. We put that away, and then now we have a student debt bubble uh, of equal proportion that's grown just exponentially. You know, I just want to say that the number one predictor of financial crises isn't necessarily the sheer amount of debt, although that's important. Uh, It's how fast it grows. And student debt over the last decade has grown by 170%. So if colleges are becoming more expensive and people are taking out higher loans and it just becomes more difficult to be able to go to college, what could be some of the long-term consequences of that? Well, I think it's already having a huge drag on just overall GDP growth in this country, but defaults are a huge problem. So there's about 44 million Americans that have some kind of student debt out there. Eight million of them are in default. That's a huge number of people that are struggling, and um, that affects your credit. I think it's one reason why we might be seeing rental prices increase in some areas because people just can't afford to buy the way they used to. What happens to society if, you know, college has been a place where people can sort of move up the income ladder if they're not able to go or it becomes too expensive or they have so much debt they end up defaulting on it and they can't finish? Well, it's already affecting social mobility. I mean, this is definitely one of the reasons that social mobility in this country is falling. Um, Our prosperity is really linked to the ability of education to keep pace with technology to help people become more prosperous and, and more productive. I think what's interesting is when you look at the debt and default stats, you see at the bottom quartile of the socioeconomic scale, you see a lot of problems. And a lot of those problems actually come in for-profit schools because many of the kids that are going bust, unable to pay for their debt, have gone to for-profit schools. They've been the victims of predatory lending. Um, Those kinds of schools have a, a default rate that's about double that of your average private school, let's say, also significantly higher than most state schools. So we need to be looking at federal funding for the for-profits. But we also need to be thinking, you know, as Dudley himself said, and not just Bernie anymore, maybe we need to think about making education free. So one question that you often hear when you see these high prices and the amount of debt that students have to take is the sense of, is college worth it? I see uh, that there's not one silver bullet answer there. I see solutions coming from a lot of different places. I mean, my my own daughter, for example, is in uh, Bard, Manhattan, which is a high school associated with Bard College. It's one of a number of programs where kids graduate with two years of college credit. I see a lot of different programs in the country kind of trying to backdoor, get kids a little bit of a heads up. We're going to be hearing about all different kinds of things. We're going to be hearing about MOOCs, about online education, about universities funded by future employees. Employers, um, you know, Microsoft saying, "Okay, we'll pay for education. You got to work for us for six years." I think people are throwing everything but the kitchen sink at this problem because it's so big. So, a final question, slightly different. There's been some news this week about the program that provides some debt forgiveness for people who work in public service for about ten years. What is the status of that program? Well, there's been some debate about who's eligible, who's not, and I know a lot of um, people are very concerned that you know they've they've chosen uh, to get into debt because they think that they're going to be able to get some forgiveness based on their choices, and if that's taken away. You get another group of people with a huge pile of debt. And secondly, all of these public service, civic service careers that thought they were going to get this talent pool don't have that. You know, And some of these folks may have to go to uh, private sector jobs, go to Wall Street, go wherever they're going to go to be able to pay off that amount of debt instead of doing what they might have done. Rana Fruhart is the global business columnist at the Financial Times. Rana, thank you. Thank you. And I'm Charlie Herman, and this is Money Talking from WNYC. 